Well, hello, it's Gary. I think you're listening to Thinking Out Loud. September 12th, 2020, Friday. I thought today I was trying to think of what would be a good topic without having to always get into the minutiae of the Trump thing. Because that's ongoing. Corona's still going. Still... You know, Black Lives Matter protests still, you know, happening. Civil, organized, peaceful protesting of the way that, you know, there's a systemic issue of, you know, racist cops escalating and in some cases turning to violence against civilians, specifically uh, unarmed African-American men predominantly. Um, and so, rightfully, uh, large numbers of people this is an ongoing movement. It's been going on for basically since the beginning of the country. But it's just, you know, has a more exposure now. But it's, uh, you know, people rightfully getting, say, th saying things need to change, you know. Oh, that's still going on. It's just, um... I suppose it's with so much of the craziness and nonsense and idiotic and, and cruelty going on at the federal level it's kind of why are we here type thing kind of i'd like to take a step back and kind of say what is what is america what is the united states of america what are our principles because like saying them out loud or maybe maybe ooh, was the other day i was thinking of a, a good speech to read and a good you know different characters and stuff and Declaration of Independence is definitely a great document to read. Uh, in fact, you might just very well do that. Because, um, yeah, you know, what is this country supposed to be about? And we've progressed a long way since the 18th century, but, you know, obviously we have a long way to go. We've come a long way. But we still have a long way to go, you know. In, in the beginning of this country, the only people with full rights of citizenship were white, land-owning men. And that was it. If you weren't in that specific group, you basically didn't have full rights. And some some people basically had no rights at, at all. Like, not, not even voting rights, but not even... They, they didn't even count as a person. Pretty horrifying. But it is part of our history. Denying that it was, it um, allows us to repeat it. Um, so, unfortunately though, you know, during the time um, that we're in, it's obvious that there's a lot of people that didn't really kind of study history or kind of absorb it in a way to uh, understand um, the, the kind of the themes and just because something is in a different uh, time and place, it, it doesn't mean it's completely different. You know, like Donald Trump trying to build a wall. Uh, the easiest comparison to make, the most obvious comparison to make, is the Berlin Wall. That is that is the apt comparison that that is 
So, you know, the, it's not there anymore, but there's certainly pictures of it. You know, it, it's a big wall separating two civilizations, two groups of people with common ancestry. And it's a militarized zone. So that that is what it is. That That is what a wall is for the specific purpose of preventing people from mixing with each other or whatever. So what is the American dream? What is the American dream in the 21st century? What I would hope it would be is, you know, a country where people's rights are protected, people have individual liberty, but there's also each person has the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Pretty basic. You know, people have the right to good health care um, because we have the best doctors in the world here, so people should be able to access those people when they need them. We have some of the finest professors and intellectuals in the world. They come from all over the world. They teach at various colleges. If you're academically inclined and want to go to one of those kind of schools, and you get get it get accepted. Well, then then you then you should be able to go. You know, like why not? So so the American dream kind of being that your descendants have a better life than you did. Uh, for my generation, that didn't didn't pan out. Uh, you know, I was the first one on my dad's side of the family to get a college degree. Um, one of only a small handful in my mom's side to have college degrees. My stepdad's side, his older brother, has a college degree, and I think that's about it. And he he did very well with his degree. He became a financial advisor. I think he even worked up to wealth planner. Once you become a financial advisor, long enough. And you've been with the same group of clients long enough and you're helping them well and getting new clients along the way, your income is also going to go up too. So eventually you'll have to transition to being a wealth planner if you're just a financial advisor for long enough and you're really good at it because your clients will eventually become wealthy, you know, if you're giving them good advice and stuff. And that's certainly the case with my uncle, um, you know, maybe that was one of the reasons it drew me into financial advising, but... Despite my degree, despite being a licensed financial advisor for a little while, I had a Series 7, Series 66, and I was also licensed to sell a life, health, and disability insurance. Um, you know, despite getting all those licenses and stuff and, you know, doing the thing, working 60 hours a week, it just didn't, and it didn't really pan out. And uh, a lot of other jobs that just never really kind of amounted to much of anything. Barely even made ends meet, let alone make enough to pay off the college debt to go to a publicly funded school. That's one of the weirdest things about college loans. I'm 100% responsible for the amount that the federal government gave to the school directly because I was going there. The school had a certain incentive for me to linger around for a while, you know. I had, there was whole years where I never even met with an academic counselor. I just kind of planned my whole schedule completely and 100% on my own. And there was one quarter I remember where, and you know, obviously, yeah, you live and learn. I was in my twenties living for the moment. Certainly the thought of being 40 wasn't on my mind when I was 22, but, uh, or 23 or whatever it was, but I didn't even think I would make it past 30. 
the thought of 40 was just kind of, a, it was just another, it, it just didn't make any sense. I couldn't even really, so, you know. One quarter I took jogging, uh, strength training, fast fitness. Strength training and fast fitness were just uh, two different gyms at Eastern. Eastern has a really, Eastern Washington University had an amazing uh, athletic facilities. Seattle Seahawks used to have their preseason there many years ago. And they would just kind of hang out in the dorms and stuff, live in the dorms for, and then play on the, and then lift in all the different weight rooms we had there. And Eastern has only improved it since I left there. Now they have an ice skating rink and it's, it's pretty sweet. Remodeled the whole football stadium. And of course, after all that football um, remodel and massive generation and Eastern Washington University winning the national championship a few years ago against Delaware while Joel Biden was in the stands because he's a Delaware alum. Eastern was considering dropping the football program. It's like, hmm, that doesn't make any sense at all. Hmm. You know, I don't know. Weird. But it's been a grind uh, 15 years since college. It's uh, never kind of got a, you know, a, a sort of uh, a flutter of the American dream or something for a little while, or at least the, the sort of classic, this is what the American dream is. Here you go. Dot, dot, dot. You know, got the house, two kids, married, two cars. A job that pays enough to pay for those things, those bills. The job itself was extremely unfulfilling, though. The only reason to do it was the paycheck. The actual job itself sucked, but I did it for three and a half years because it paid. And had fairly generous uh, things with like time off and stuff. Same thing with a call center, which is where I worked when I was with Charter Communications for three and a half years, a retention specialist. It's a beautiful day here at the Vancouver Caller Center of Excellence. My name is Gary, retention specialist, account specialist. I'll be able to help you out today. Can I get your name? You know, whatever. Oh, it's been a few years. Eight years since I left that, but that was one thing they wanted us to always have lots of pep, which is uh, a little difficult for me sometimes. Oh, I'm sorry to hear about your... I'm, I hated saying sorry, so I'd come up with... I'd be frustrated, too, if my bill went up and I had no understanding of why. I'll definitely be able to help you out with that bill issue there, Mr. So-and-so. I'll just need to verify a couple things, and then we'll take a look at that, and we'll get you set straight, okay? All right. Yeah. All right. Well, it seems like you had a promotion. Wait, and just the same conversation, 40, 50 times a day, five days a week. You know, about 50 weeks a year, because I did get a little bit of vacation time, but it's three and a half years. It's just like, blup. It's like this thing I did once, you know. It has. It's like it fills the same amount of memory as like bicycling across the state of Washington, which I did several years after the uh, leaving charter. Quite the journey. Washington State is a big ass state. It took me three days ish to. I went from Spokane, made it all the way to Cedar Willie. Poor planning and lack of proper uh, funding and to get proper calorie intake, uh, 
led to a hitting of the wall in Cedro Willie, the metaphorical proverbial wall. Luckily, though, there were some passers-by that saw me kind of passed out almost near a bike, unable to even hold down the water and kind of down me a phone. Parents just happened to be nearby, thankfully. Rest and recoup for a few days, and then was kind of back at it. The journey I want to take again someday. It's just a way of kind of appreciating that, I mean, the western states are vast, you know. And some of the eastern states are still pretty big, too. Like, Maine's a pretty good size, and, you know, Pennsylvania, New York, they're big. And like, New York State is more than just New York City. In fact, New York City is, like, way down in the, in the like, southeast corner. Upstate New York's, like, a totally different thing. You know, big vast forests and stuff, and country roads, and Lake George, that's a gorgeous area. Been up there once. That was, that was pretty fun. American Dream, though. American Dream, to me, it was, it's like opportunity. It's like equal opportunity. It's like, it's like those mantras of, like, work hard and play harder type thing, or whatever. Like, if you work, you will get rewarded for working hard and efficiently and all that. But there's a lack of efficiency in our economy. There's vast amounts of resources and time and energy devoted to a minuscule, tiny group of people. And they're a group of people that don't really need any extra protections. They don't really need, like... The, the main purpose of government is to protect the commoner, the, the people, you know. The wealthy and affluent class, they have things in place to protect their interests. They can hire their own personal army. All the things that are publicly funded, the wealthy can just fund on their own, including their own their own medical. They can hire their own doctor if they want. And any there is no expense that's too high. They can hire their own private transport, flight you know, private planes and such. Um they can have their own private food source, private defense, all all those sort of things, you know. They can just and a lot of those things can just be bequeathed to the next generation without the next generation really having to do much of anything. So, I mean, what if there was a way to, for like the commoner, to find more of our similarities and appreciate them while, while still understanding our differences and respecting them? but not being so divided. The whole purpose is a lot of the rhetoric that each side gives, but you know, more so specifically the Republican side, is to create division. They want division. It, it is divide and conquer. If the working class are divided, then it's much easier to get tax cuts for the wealthy and tax cuts for corporations. You don't have to be an economist to understand that Giving more money to the people with the most money is not going to have much to any benefit to you, the regular person, obviously. Like, why would it? Trickle-down economics is just something, it's just a clever phrasing to use to sort of make it sound like it, it might do something. But the best way to think of trickle-down economics is there, there are little trickles that will come down sometimes when you give a whole heap of money to the people who already have the most money. 
but it's such a small trickle and other areas of the you know other big vast groups of people won't get anything and they'll in many cases will get less than nothing they'll still their their you know financial fertile ground will start drying up well certain select little groups here and there they just happen to be working at the right place at the right time for the right company the right big company they might get some kind of bonus so they might get some kind of up a few here and there but you almost always just in the corporate sphere and that's about it but again the vast majority though will actually lose their position you know their, their costs will go up or their job will deem, be deemed no longer necessary one of the things with lowering the corporate tax rate is that the corporation can lower its productivity levels i.e the costs it pays for employees and stuff like that have fewer employees therefore producing at a lower rate but still maintain the same level of profit with the lower profit margin and stuff so or the lower tax rate so you know, it frees up more money for corporations to do things that are in their interests. And the corporate interests is to benefit the shareholders and the executives. but And most primarily and specifically, the shareholders. Um, not, not the people doing all the work for the corporation. I mean, how do we change that? I mean, I, I think as, as much as there's this idea that there's great efficiency gained through these big companies prices go down and stuff there's other obvious and clear inefficiencies that are created in a wide variety of other um, attributes to you know gauge how well a society as a whole is doing um, the coronavirus time over the last several months, some of the wealthiest people in America have had an exponential increase in their net worth. How is that possible? You know, well, it's because they're the owners, basically, primary owners of big, vast entities. Now, many people can't work. Many people are stressing out about losing their homes, but a small handful of individuals who are all, were already exponentially more wealthy than the average person, leaps and bounds more, are now even more exponentially wealthy than they already were. You know, going from the several billions to the tens and twenties and thirties of billions. And it's an important thing to remember, I say this a bunch on previous podcasts as well, one billion is one thousand millions. Two billion is two thousand millions and etc etc no matter how big the number is 35 billion is yes 35,000 millions that is a lot of millions in other words you could have 35,000 people each with 1 million dollars and that would equal the same amount as that one billionaire who has a net worth of 35 billion or better yet 70,000 people um, with a net worth of 500,000. Or, you know, you can take it down another notch. 140,000 people. Wait, where am I at? 
jump too many numbers here. Okay, wait. Shit. Okay, two, yeah, 2,000 with 500. Uh, oh, yeah, no, so I was doing 35 billion. So 35 times 2, so 70,000 with 500,000. 140,000 with 250,000. The average person in this country don't have a net worth of anywhere near even in the hundreds of thousands, because even if they own a home, they just own a certain percentage equity. Most likely, most people don't own their home 100%. They're still paying a mortgage. In the first several years of paying a mortgage, you're basically just paying interest. Just getting a small sliver of equity. Towards the end, though, it starts ramping up quite a bit. But it's kind of top-loaded in interest. So the first few years, you might have only paid like a couple grand in principal on a $300,000 house. But towards the end, that's all you'll be paying is principal. Got to get all that interest out of the way. They gave you all that money up front. So, you know, they got to start collecting their fees and interest and all that. So they can start lending it out to other people. That's how they earn a profit. They have to keep a certain percentage of the actual money that they have on all the various accounts physically in their bank. And it's a very low percentage. It's called the reserve rate, the Federal Reserve Rate. That's the percentage of money that a bank has to ha actually have physically in their vaults, able to lend in physical form uh, in relation to the total number of value of all the accounts that are in, you know, their deposits. So, you know, a bank may have 50 million or something listed in, as, you know, in the accounts of all the various people, but it doesn't have 50 million dollars in the vault. So if all, all, every single customer came all at once, they, they closed their accounts, the bank w would run out of money. You know, they wouldn't have it all there. But that's that's the that's how they work. You put the money in there, knowing that yeah they're going to lend it out to other people and try to earn interest, and then they might charge you a fee, but they might also give you interest. If you, the more money you have, the easier it is to earn more money. The less money you have, the more fees you're going to have to pay because you don't have money. It's another weird thing with the American dream. Louis C.K. did a whole like I think it was Louis C.K. a while back. About like the fines you get because you don't have money. You know, I didn't have money in the first place, and now you're charging me a fee because I don't have money. I did, I didn't have money to begin with. That you know, what's charging me more money going to do? But that's another thing we do in this country with poor people, especially poor minorities. You get accused of a crime that you may or may not have done. That it's almost not even the point. In many cases, you you didn't do it. You were just you fit the description of someone who did do the crime. So you get arrested. And you may or may not have a criminal record. You have a criminal record, big old bail to post. If you can't pay it, well, then you're just going to go to jail until your court date. If you can't pay it, we can go to a bail bondsman. And they'll basically loan you the money to pay the bail, and then you got to pay them back with interest. It's a business, um, and it's a big business. But again, if you don't have any money, well, then you're just going to have to sit in jail until your court date. It's supposed to be speedy, but it sometimes could be months.
go through all that and then at the trial it's found that nope you didn't actually do it do you get much in return for the months you'd spent in jail for a crime you didn't even commit no not really so the other option is to come up with money so that's the other thing you do post bail do you get that money back if you're found innocent no Tough shit. So, you could be really wealthy and bail could be set at a really big amount, but it doesn't really matter. You, you have it. Steve Bannon would, had posted $5 million bail, so he wouldn't have to sit in jail until his court date regarding uh, fraud. <laughs> uh, senior Trump advisor, Steve Bannon. And some other schmuck created this uh, GoFundMe thing to try to get investors for a wall. And they were going to build it with private financing. Steve Bannon and the other guy took good heaps of that money to buy yachts and all kinds of play toys and stuff. Uh, there was no wall built. They kind of took advantage of people's small-mindedness and racism. Um to make a buck you know that racism is illogical so when you embrace illogical thinking um, then you're gonna make illogical choices like you know breaking into your piggy bank to donate money to a GoFundMe that's run by this guy that used to run Breitbart News so that you can have a wall built in the middle of the desert you know because the brown people are coming and they're gonna you know, rape your daughter and kill your dog or whatever the fuck, you know, um, it, it's just so weird, I, I don't understand that kind of racism, that just the overt kind of like, but it's, it's because they succumb to the fear, you know, fear was, has been preached at them constantly, <coughs> that, you know, all these people coming over, like every single one of them, Maybe a few here and there are not so bad. And that's kind of how Trump worded it. And, and they're just wreaking havoc. Even the, the fact that it's not true just doesn't even matter to them. You know. They have an agenda. And they have their attitudes. Me, the American Dream, is definitely one that more embraced our true identity of being a multicultural society. It is the lifeblood of what we are. And we've always had this tension since the beginning of the sort of, you know, uh, most in number group as far as what they sort of look like as far as skin color, making too many of them making very poor choices and sort of identifying too much with skin color, you know, like, but it, you know, it, what are you going to do? It's uh, an ongoing thing. Racism does have to be taught. So, there's one thing I always kind of thought about. I was watching like the the old black and white footage of the civil rights movement and stuff. And the, you know, you have police officers using a fire hose on unarmed civilians just walking on the street. 
walking on the sidewalk, and then they're firing at fire hose on them. You know, that that cop might have been a father, might have had kids, you know. Like, those people went home to families, and, you know, during the day they're firing fire hoses, putting on a badge, and treating human beings like animals, but then they're going home, and they're teaching their kids stuff, you know, and... You have to learn to hate. It's certainly not natural, you know, because it. You, once you meet enough people, once you experience the world a little bit, you you understand pretty intrinsically that racism is just kind of. You know, it's illogical. It, it's false. The presumptions made, and the stereotypes. Um, you know, they're not valid. Sure, you can find specific people here and there that meets, meet some kind of whatever goofy stereotype people have of a specific group. But then there's countless others that are completely outside of that stereotype within that particular group, whatever the stereotype of said group is. But all that's just ignored with, when you get into the depths of racism. So it would be... It would just be nice if uh, people could get out more, mingle more with people that are different, you know, experience different cultures and stuff. For me, um, I suppose it would be probably more um, trying to understand the MAGA thing more, because that, that's like been this, that, that when you're a white person, uh, you, you get to hear what white people say. You know, when it's kind of like that uh, that SNL bit with Eddie Murphy years ago, where he, you know, puts himself in whiteface and looks like a white guy with like a brown mustache and stuff, and you mean nothing but the world to me. But it's it's kind of true though, you know. You know, I am I am Caucasian, so I've been there's been many 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 times in my life where everyone in the group was was white, you know. And sometimes the things that you, I, I get to hear other white people say when they, when they think everyone's on their team or whatever the fuck, it, it's disturbing, you know. And I've heard it throughout my life, you know. I, it's not like I was naive to believe that racism wasn't real. I mean, I've heard it with my own ears. Yeah, you know, especially when it's just, and it's not like it's every group of white people that are all just white all are always going to have some racist ones. But when you're going to hear racist shit like that from white people, a lot of times it is when they think they're preaching to the choir. And it's like, yo, man, no. <laughs> Sorry. No. I don't. No. Sorry. Just mm -mm. don't fucking go there, you know. What you want to do in your own house, but you, you come to my house, you ain't, you ain't talking, you're not talking shit about Black Lives Matter, you ain't doing it. Don't, don't do it in my house, man. Nope. Uh-uh. Not a member of your damn choir. Not that choir. No. Not one preaching hatred and bringing up goofy-ass stereotypes and shit. Fuck off. Pardon my language, but I just don't have the patience for it. And uh, it's probably 
blind hell I was raised, my dad was just very, he's a musician, and I think just being a musician and blues guitarist at that, um, you know, he just really embraced a lot of culture, a lot of different types of people. He's just kind of sort of gravitated toward people that might, that weren't like traditional white people or something, or whatever the fuck. His best friend, most of my time growing up, had real dark skin. Um, you know, he's definitely, he's probably 100% of African descent. He's one of those kind of guys that was like very, very dark. And I think it's probably why he uh, um, wanted to be with a wife who was a, a little, little lighter. She was um, like half black, half uh, Chinese. So his kids are not quite as dark as him, but still obviously black. I mean, it was like a, I don't know if it was in like a expressed, implicit concern of his, but I, I always just kind of got the impression of that because he had to, I'm sure had to go through God knows how much shit because he was born in the late 40s and, uh, you know, he's a very, he was a very, was he passed away many years ago, but I still think about him quite often. But he was very, very dark. Emmett Henderson was his name. And his ch his children were like, uh, you know, they were like my cousins. I, I saw them more often than my own cousins, and that's how I thought of them, you know. But, uh, I mean, they were family. So my dad was pretty devastated when he Emmett passed away of lung cancer. But, it, I mean, once you're around enough people, you realize that each person is a person. You know, sometimes you might have common ancestry with these other people or something. But sometimes even if you don't have maybe as common ancestry, you have other things in common. You know, music and stuff, but, and um, just appreciation of certain things and certain rhythms and whatnot. Um, you know, each person is their own person. You know, you, we aren't solely and 100% defined by the color of our skin. I didn't really choose to be white. Um, I don't even like that term. It's like the No Effects song, Don't Call Me White. Uh, it's, you know, I'm of obviously pre predominantly European descent, but when I took a DNA test, the thing I was most excited about <coughs> when I took my DNA test was that it said, I think it was like 1% Colombian. I was like, wow, what's that about? I mean, that that was interesting. The fact that I'm like, you know, 89% Northern European or whatever, the fact that it wasn't really that interesting. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's just more like, oh, well, obviously, you know, I'm pretty fair-skinned. So, 0% from Africa. But uh, there was some from like India, you know, a few different spots in India and then Colombia. That was the part that was most fascinating, even though it was like probably the smallest percentage. Just kind of, hmm, interesting, you know? So there's such a small planet, and we are a migratory species. We do move about. You know, there'll be some generations of people, whole generations and of families that'll just kind of stay put and rarely ever go. But it's been huge swaths of population that, for a wide variety of reasons, you know, left the area that they were born into and went somewhere else, you know.
and met new people and you know mixed with other cultures and stuff and you know and it certainly wasn't always for positive uh noble reasons that they left their place of birth and went off to some other areas because you know sometimes it was they conquer some other area and they joined some military and then they raped and pillaged or whatever the fuck but sometimes it was just because they you know they just wanted to see more of the world so they ventured about and then on the other side of the world they meet someone you know you know it's, it's fascinating i like to find the positives in the little you know, random, uh, <clears throat> it's, you know, there, there's a lot of darkness in human history. Humans have done some horrifying things, mostly to ourselves and to the place that we live. We've, uh, you know, we're a very destructive species, but we are capable of wonderful things, great periods of unity and hope and uh, all that kind of thing, but we've, we've also been extremely destructive. Human history is, you know, it's a, it's a study in that, in sort of destruction and war and death and disease and all that kind of stuff. But it's also a study in music and art and inspiring things where, you know, we ventured into space, you know. Descendants of these people that were like living in caves thousands of years ago. And just a few years ago, we relatively we built this thing and shot ourselves up into space we even had some people walk on the moon and then we built these other things that have ventured way way out into space you know we're, we're not to the point where we can have a man-made uh vessel or i mean a man what is it man flown or whatever you know a spaceship that'll have people in it, um, spacecraft to venture beyond just the moon. So the moon is basically like a stone's throw away relative to the vastness of our universe. But we have done that, you know, we've come a long way in over thousands of years. But you know, a lot of those old themes from ancient history are still there. We still kind of do the same shit. You know, a, a small group is wanting more power and the only way they can get it is to conquer some other thing you know because they got to spread out more running out of resources in their own place and they're not happy with the position that they have and they, they need to make it even bigger even though the position they're already at it is almost virtually infinite you know it, it, it you know they have a level of power and affluence that's so vast it you know it dwarfs any regular person by you know a substantial amount, um, and it's a tiny group. You know, you're really talking a small group that kind of gets to kind of dictate the flow, and it, that's more what it is. You know, it's the kind of it's the people behind the people behind the people behind the people that are kind of you know. Um, kind of these are the things we should talk about on the, on the this is how things should be presented uh, let's give money to this politician and hey politician X make sure you vote no on the 
tax increased to the wealthy. Um, so, um, I think you can just, I would like to fire the people in this country could be more hopeful and optimistic and it's not succumbing to fear all the time and this negative kind of vibe that one organization has seemed to embrace all in like why not shoot like when we're fighting squabbling over whether or not healthcare should be a right that's i mean that that's definitely a sign you know that's that's a sign of a society that's not really a society it's not really a unified thing should healthcare be a right? Yes, obviously. Well, you know, how, how do you argue against that? Well, what are the insurance companies going to do? How is the CEO of the health insurance company going to continue to make $25 million a year if healthcare is just a right and you don't really need health insurance? Yeah, that's a real, real bummer for the multimillionaire on what they're going to do. You know, a bummer for them. They're going to have to differentiate their products somehow to add some value. You know, if healthcare is just the right, well, then yeah, you don't need health insurance. So yeah, some of the money being spent on healthcare is no longer going to overhead. It's just going directly related to costs. Hospital administrators and staff and doctors and such—they know how to do what they do. You know. They know what they're doing. Their job is to heal people, to take care of people. It'd be nice if hospitals could just purely and solely focus on that. Yes, you have some sort of administrative type people to make sure that costs are being efficiently uh, allocated and whatever the hell. You know, yes, it, it's an organizational entity and its focus is taking care of people. So you still need accountants and that kind of thing. But yeah, you just make sure that Things are being run well. They're using the medical supplies efficiently and maintaining an appropriate inventory and that kind of thing. And they have appropriate bed space. And the you know this the bedside manner of the nurses and doctors is up to speed, is good, and all that sort of thing. The medical staff is getting appropriate training and uh, relevant to their skill set and all that kind of stuff. You still have all that. You, you, you just don't have massive amounts of money being funneled to a small group of people running an insurance company. You just eliminate that part of the equation. What those companies do to continue to earn a profit is not really that important. You know, some of them, yes, might go bankrupt. Bummer. You know, how many steam engine companies are there today? You know, how many companies are there building railroads? You know, how many companies are buying beaver skins you know like economies change you know how many companies i don't know breeding horses <laughs> like how important is it to have a horse today you know and people that you know make horseshoes and stuff like that i mean there's still a demand for it a little there's horses are still around people still have horses but they are kind of like required to like get around now though you know so it's not as important to be able to, you know, have a horse stable in town. It takes care of all the horses. Like, and where you can just go get a horse at a short notice. You don't really need that. And our economy's evolved since then. So, 
we're kind of getting to a point where we need to move beyond like coal and, and also the need for health insurance companies. They, they need to offer something more. Affleck is probably one that would do this fine because it's disability income insurance, which is different. That would be like if you get injured or whatever, you go to the hospital, you get better, you're not working for a while. So they would, you pay this insurance policy and that's when you just redeem it or whatever. You just start getting payments while you're sick or disabled or whatever. That's more what health insurance should be going towards is that type of thing. You know, not like pay us money every month and then when you get sick, pay us more money, but it won't be quite as much as what you'll have to pay out of pocket. Ooh, what a win. <clears throat> you know. So universal health care, free education, investment in the Green New Deal, which is investment in renewable energies and a far divesting, vast divesting in fossil fuels, more in solar energy, and renewables, you know, that, that kind of thing. Yes. You know, and investment in infrastructure, but yeah, universal health care, free education, skills training is included in free education and, um, you know, investment new deal, understanding and doing something about the fact that we humans are having a negative effect on the environment through our actions, through our burning of fossil fuels. It is causing an effect. We're not stupid. There's several billion of us on this planet. We know what we're doing. You know, yes, the, the wealthy asshole guy that gets millions of dollars from the coal company and has a nice suit on on the TV and an R next to his name, but sometimes a D, is saying that it's not real. Well, yeah, he has a financial incentive to do that. He's getting paid by companies that are a big part of the problem he's getting paid by them to say that it's you know it's no big deal the reality is of course that it's like al gore's title of his documentary that came out many years ago already god so i think it's like nearly 20 years old or something i forget but an inconvenient truth yes it's inconvenient we have to make some changes in how we do things. We don't necessarily have to reinvent the wheel. Uh, we just have to make the wheel a little bit more efficient. <laughs> you know, um, still going to have society, still going to have an economy. Just we just need to shift kind of from one sector to a different way, just a different way of kind of fueling things. W within that, there's going to be a wide variety of new jobs created. Um, there's a lot of things that are going automated as well. So. Yeah, we, we just need to progress forward. That's really all it is. We just need to be more efficient, less waste. Um, because this waste is real. It, you know, it, we can't just keep burying the waste. It, it's still there. And we can't bury toxic pollutants, toxic gas. It, it, we just, so, so we just sort of filter it into the air. Um, and that that's no good. That's going to cause negative effects. So hopefully, more people will want something better out of this society. Be hopeful. Be willing to pursue all those great principles. Life. The right to life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Freedom of the press, freedom of religion, free speech. And even that gosh darn Second Amendment, too. I'm fine with that one, I guess. Whatever. I'm not a big gun fan, but as long as you're safe with it, not threatening people with their gun, and 
you know, whatever. I think that's going to do it. I heard there's some lunch that just got brought in, so I'm going to cut this early, off early, so I can mount down on some lunch. It's Friday, day off day. So much going on in this country. Wear your mask in public. Practice social distancing. Coronavirus is still going as of September 12, 2020. Might be going for a while. So find a way to get into a flow of it. Carry your mask with you all the time. It just makes it a little easier. Everyone does it. Eventually, it will go away, but everyone has to do what they got to do. All this collectively. We're all in this together. Make sure you're registered to vote. I personally am voting Joe Biden in 2020. That's who I'm going for. No one should vote Trump. Uh, do not vote Trump. If you can't go Biden, that's okay. That's okay. We can still be friends. It's going to be tougher, though, that people can insist on voting for a person so it's obviously ill-suited to be president, Mr. Trump. If you got to vote conservative, just can't do the Democrat thing, libertarian, libertarian. It doesn't get a lot of publicity on the news, but that is a great option if you prefer the Republican, but the Republican Party has gone with nominating a person renominating a person who is without question the worst president in the history of our country it's no longer a debate and he's a very dangerous person he'd be a dangerous person if he was a manager of mcdonald's he would be dangerous you know he's not a person you should ever put in any sort of leadership position of any kind uh, let alone president of the united states commander-in-chief of the united states military he's ill-suited for the job the job is not for everyone you know winning a Coming in second place in a popularity contest, <laughs> um, you know that that's doesn't. It, it appears we got some flaws in our system that we got to kind of fine tune, you know, because um, yeah, it should it just should have never even come to him being on the general ticket unless he was on a third party. Why did a major organization nominate him to begin with? Are they that lacking of anyone in their organization with any integrity at all? Any moral compass? Why did they just go with Mitt Romney again? You know? If, uh, if ever there's a shot for Mitt Romney, I think it would have been against Hillary Clinton. Why couldn't they just go in with Mitt Romney? Goodness gracious. Uh, fucking Republican Party. I would recommend not voting any Republicans, and just, if you're normal Republican, go Libertarian. Get that organization some a boost. They're a big... Their big mantras are small government and minimal taxation. If your big mantras are minimal taxation and small government, you shouldn't be voting Republican Party. Because, yeah, they, they're not worried about cutting taxes for regular people. They're worried about cutting taxes for the wealthy. The Republican Party is. And they're certainly not a small government. They're a big government. Massive government. Very intrusive. You know, kind of dictating to you all kinds of things and blowing massive amounts of money on all kinds of military projects and stuff and increasing the size and scope of the deficit. So, if your big things are a conservative budget, minimal taxation, conservative values on all that kind of thing, and small government, minimal government intervention and stuff, then the organization you should be voting for is the Libertarian Ticket. Again, I'm not, because those aren't focuses of mine. I like small government, but a, a small government that's small in focus, not necessarily a small in effectiveness. 
you know, so small in focus. Healthcare, the health and well-being of the people of the United States of America is mainly the focus. And within that, you know, you're talking about education, free healthcare, investment in infrastructure, which is tons of jobs, you know, because you've got to pay people to do all that work, you know, type thing. Um, and, you know, in, investment in safe, clear, you know, clean as possible renewable energy source. You know, because it helps the health and well-being of the people of this country. That should be the main objective of government. To, to you know, help aid and assist to improve the quality of life of the people of the United States of America. Not just one specific group, not just 2%, but the people as, as a whole, as a collective, you know. And so that's a wide mix of people, wide different views, every single ethnicity, cultural group, background, race, color, gender identification that you can possibly have as a human being is, is here in, in this country, everyone, basically. So um, government needs to represent that in a much better way. There's way too much power given to this tiny group. And then they use their power to sort of distort and confuse and spread fear so the people that aren't even going to benefit from their policies vote for them anyway. You know, if you're a working class person, you are not going to benefit from the Republicans. You're, you're just not. They're going to tell you you are. And they're going to get you all excited to vote for them because they're going to talk about other stuff. But none of that stuff they're talking about has any relevance to their primary objective. So of cutting taxes for the wealthy and cutting taxes for corporations. All right, I think that's good. This is Gary. Stay safe out there. God bless. Thinking out loud.